Hello, and welcome to the Hello, I'm Grieving podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Shaw, founder of Hello, I'm Grieving, a community where we focus on acknowledging and dealing with grief to live a full life. Our tagline, Say Hello to Grief, emphasizes the importance and mindfully and courageously acknowledging with our grief and engaging with it so we can find hope, lessons, motivation, and healing in the midst of our pain. Today, we have the opportunity to say hello to Mengda Sangwon-Pang, And Mangda is an artist, end-of-life guide, and founder of Bossy, a platform that focuses on loss and grief in order to renew our engagement to life. She offers supportive services, regenerative programming, and intentional products for individuals, communities, and organizations alike. Her life and death work is guided by her Laotian last name, which means the light of the full moon, which is so beautiful. Mangda was an awarded recipient of the Reclamation Ventures Grant for underrepresented leaders making pathways to addressing grief and loss, and her work has been featured in Vogue, New York Magazine's Curbed, and by the Chakruna Institute and more. So let's say hello to Mangda. Hello, Mangda. I know that we've had some challenging issues before this, but I'm so glad you're here. And I'm so glad that we're finally being able to jump into conversation. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. Thank you. So uh, Mangda also is actually a colleague of mine who was a part of the PAUSE residency program where it brought together end of life workers, grief educators like myself, um, death doulas, all the above, um, just various people, different diverse people from the end of life and grief space. And so I've had the opportunity to get to know Magda there, but I get to have an even bigger opportunity to talk to you more about all the work that you do. Um, So let's just start with what is Bossy and tell us how that even started. Yes, so Bossi actually means blessings in Laotian, and it comes from a Lao uh, ceremony and ritual. And so this really was my root and inspiration, pulling from my own bloodlines to really connect the cycles of life and loss and death together. Um, This ritual is something where you give blessings to one another, and it's really symbolic of community. Um, It's very life-affirming. It's something that you do at weddings, births, deaths. It's all all different forms of really marking a time and space with people. Um, So yes, Bossy, it's this online platform that I started through my own experience of grief and loss. Um, When I lost my mother in 2018, it just became the catalyst for all the work that I've been doing since 2019 Um, and at that time after I lost my mother I really was so passionate about the ways in which that our societal um, experiencing our societal relationship to the end of life really felt very isolated very alone with my peers no one was talking about grief this is pre-pandemic no one was talking about death And as I'm just trying to navigate my own grief and loss, I didn't feel like there was anything that was really relatable or anything I could really connect with. Um, So both the micro and macro is really interested in the ways in which that we understand these topics, the ways in which that we relate to others with these topics. Um, 
So that's why I created Bossy. It really became something that I wish I would have had. Um, just a perspective, a reference point, a viewpoint, um, something that felt very communal, relatable. And um, yeah, so I've been just running with Bossy. And I launched it just days before the lockdowns happened in New York. So I did not wow. expect any of that to happen. That is some timing. I did yeah. not. It was just like quietly in my apartment, just being like, I really want to talk about these topics. I really want to like meet other people that have had these experiences. I really just had no vision except for um, I just want to normalize and integrate and explore and understand and connect over grief and loss and the ways in which that we understand it and relate to it in our lives. Uh, my background, my Laotian father, he always spoke about impermanence. We always spoke about death. Like these things were not uncommon in my house. It wasn't weird. It wasn't taboo. So when I'm out in the world in this very Western framework, mm-hmm. it was, it's very jarring for me. So yeah, I launched it being like, we'll have that little Eventbrite, you know, conversation. <laughs> I remember the very first thing I hosted, I had my script on my computer and my voice was shaking. I was so scared. Um, and since then, I was doing like weekly, you know, COVID, um, just meetups and wow. doing these events. And this really became this intuitive unfolding. Um, it, it like catapulted me into all of this as we were going through the pandemic. Um, so I've been writing this entire wave since then. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you bring up, um, bossy as a ritual, right? And the rituals that we perform. And this is something that I've actually been thinking about. How can I learn more about rituals, mm. especially, you know, being so, I mean, I'm, I live in the U S but I'm also very aware of the global and cultural dynamics of how we have rituals or different communities that have rituals and based upon how you identify. Um, I just would love to know, like, what are some of the rituals that Mm -hmm. you can share with us? Maybe that you've performed or maybe that you're taking an interest in now and wanting to learn more about, because I think that can be very healing for folks Mm -hmm. to, to figure out, you know, what is a ritual that I can lean into or look into more? I love this question, especially because I don't know why I keep going back to the pandemic, but that was one of the biggest responses because of the lockdowns. A lot of folks weren't even having their funeral rituals and a lot of these end of life markings. um, So the topic of ritual really became, I think, a little more illuminated of how lost we feel from ritual, how distant it feels. Even growing up for me, I never had a framework. It's always been very intuitive and I like to make it very simple and not so distant. I think simply when I think about ritual, it's really what you're putting your attention and intention to. A ritual could be just as simple as how you have your water in the morning. It could be as simple as the way in which that you make tea, you know, it really can be that. And then it could be so elaborate with beautiful altars and monks and all of this, you know, all the beautiful, beautiful parts of ceremony. But I just like to make it very simple for folks. Um, So it's not 
Yeah, so it's not scary. I know some folks that I've worked with feel even scared by the word sometimes, and also by the word ritual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little intimidating, and I personally wasn't raised in very, I wasn't raised in religious uh, communities or anything like that. So I think there's a lot that comes up with that as well for folks um, that may not have had pleasant experiences or don't know how to like identify their own. So I always lean into doing your thing, your intention. Rituals can be very um, serious and these exact steps that need to be performed, but that's not always the type of rituals that I am. I think it's very intuitive again and um, what it needs to be, at least that's how I like to be. It's more fluid. Um, And of course there's respect to the rituals that need to be performed in very specific ways. Which makes me think, you know, how do you feel? Because I'm always aware of this on what are we appropriating? What are we, you know, taking from other cultures or beliefs or spiritual practices and understanding maybe if somebody does find something from another culture or belief, what do you suggest or maybe the proper ways that they feel like they can use that to adapt to like their needs or emulate that in in some type of way? Yes, it's so interesting because I think before us being so global with the internet and having this access to other people's rituals and just everything that's been emerging and booming, it makes sense why um, so much was in tradition and frameworks. And now that we have access to so much information and different perspectives, it's so important to uh, give reverence to credit where these rituals are coming from or where these practices are coming from. And again, intention is so important. I think it's really easy in our society to just, you know, instantly pick and pluck and do these things. And we're not really mindful about uh, where they're coming from to give that reverence, that respect, that credit, and also the people, you know, this is a very big, important, um, I don't even have a word right now. It's just really, really important to be doing this because we're talking about the lives that are impacted, that these um, practices and rituals come from, and the ways in which that we're maybe capitalizing on them. Exactly, yeah. So it's it goes deep. We're talking about human lives. I think it's so easy to forget that when we're picking and plucking and, and doing what we do, even if our intentions are, you know, well-intended. Mm-hmm. That's just always the first thing to be doing is thinking about where is this coming from? Where are you learning this from? Who are you learning this from? How are the folks um, potentially marginalized or not? How are they being impacted? Um, Yeah, it's really, really important. Yeah. And I always like to bring that into the conversation because, you know, I want to create an inclusive space and Mm -hmm. also educate folks on that because, Mm -hmm. We can, and again, that's what I've also been thinking is what other rituals can I learn about Mm -hmm. so that I can honor, Mm -hmm. you know, my grief and honor the life, you know, that was lived Mm -hmm. and to be able to, again, kind of keep, and rituals for me is another way to be in relationship with that person, Mm -hmm. but then also be in relationship with myself and to give myself, you know, what I need on this in this healing process as well yeah but i think that's such a journey some folks 
are, you know, I think it's very common for us to be looking outside and, and just trying to find what is helping us, especially if we're going through anything like we're trying to, I don't know, seek this information and we're looking around and we're taking and we're consuming. And it's interesting, at least the folks that I've worked with, how at the end of it all, they start coming back to themselves and figuring out where there may be severings in their own bloodlines or in their own traditions, their own rituals. And I think it's all okay to be using what, you know, to share information, share rituals. I love sharing bossy rituals. Um, but yeah, always going back to that accreditation. Yeah, thank you. Um, I want to know more about just the work that you do and, and how you work with people and to help guide them you know, mm -hmm. through that end of life. And, and if you can give people more information about that, because I'm sure you are witnessing a lot of grief in that process. And, and just for even people listening is this is them learning about you and mm -hmm. what you offer in that, in that space. Sure. I definitely like to start with my framework of grief and loss and, and support. It's very holistic. So um, I can't think about loss without life and, you know, it's very well-rounded that way. Um, so what I've been doing is I do one-to-one -one supportive sessions. Um, this framework comes from contemplative care from the New York Zen Center where it's utilizing Buddhist frameworks, but really it's just another holistic lens in which that we can approach grief and loss, how we can support people through this. Um, so one-to-one -one support, uh, groups and communities. I do a lot of grief work. I utilize practices that have worked for me, which is writing, meditation, storytelling, community, all of that I've needed throughout my grief years. And to this day, I still use all these practices. Um, I like getting creative. We've utilized like writing and visual meditation journeys you know and whatnot and just finding different ways in which to meet people in their grief um that's why um one of my friends she's an la herbalist um her herbalism is called sun song and we went through about a year of collaborating coast to coast on a grief potion so it's these flower essences that we really spend a lot of time with every essence and meditating with them and working with them to create this really special blend that has been really supportive for a lot of folks. Um, and then doing education, um, grief work in organizations and just meeting people where I can through that. And yeah, I like to write about it, share about it. Yeah, tell us more about this potion. Um, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, like, ooh, what is this? And how does it work? And especially as you mentioned, all the research and thoughtfulness and, and mindfulness that you put into this, um, tell us about this potion. Sure. And, um, oh, and one last thing I also want to say too is I really love doing this four-week journey with folks, which is called You Exist. And it's essentially you going through your own uh, symbolic rebirth and death. And we use like education practices. Um, again, community. We use, uh, yeah, we, we go through our own reflections and contemplations of our relationship to loss and grief and death and then moving them through a death meditation it's it's one of my favorite offerings as well and shadow is the flower essence potion this grief potion and we have 
four different flower essences that all work with opening up the heart, loosening up emotions, allowing you to really let go. Some folks have had um, very interesting responses to it. It's helped them cry. It's helped them move through their own grief. It's brought up um, different parts of seeing themselves and, and what they're going through in their experiences. It gives you a little wow. bit of the space to, to tend to your grief. And what's, what's behind that, right? Like if you can tell us a little bit about the magic of this potion, right? Is, and that's what I think about, because for me, I also think about the biological pieces of it where maybe those scents and those different things might activate Mm -hmm. um, different things, whether it be in our body, in our brains, or even just in our souls. Yeah. So we use, um, flower essences. So everything's completely natural and holistic. Um, and so we use a Datura and I can tell you a little bit about each of the ingredients in here. Yeah, that's, but, I mean, I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning right along yeah. with everyone. So <laughs> every plant has different responses and it invokes different responses within your physical body, which is really, really, really interesting. If you just work with a flower essence, you can get one now you can work with rose you can work with any of these different plants that really works in specific ways so for instance we chose datura and datura is um it's known as a guide through dark nights of your soul um it's known to be really compassionate and gentle and it just helps release and shake out um, any kind of overwhelming feelings um, we also chose ghost pipe and this is a plant that's known as like a teacher on life and death and how to let go. It's very supportive and moving you through these cycles and transitions and thresholds. Um, it actually gives you a little space. It's interesting. It gives you a little space. And this is where we've had so many responses of folks of being able to just kind of have a little space between them and their grief to kind of observe and understand what they might be experiencing and feeling. Um, we used black sage, so this is kind of good for shadow work, kind of getting behind our day-to-day. -day. Um, it's really helpful for clarity, and it's a revealer of that. And then we chose rose water, so all rose plus all these plants, but I love, love, love rose. It's soothing, it's comforting, it's loving, um, and it's really relaxing. So those are the ingredients we use. And, We've been sold out and we're wow. doing new. Yeah, it's been Congratulations so Congratulations on that, Thank right? You. Thank you. It's every time we're doing a batch, we're selling out. And so we're doing a new version of it that is going to come out this late October. Yeah, so at the end of this month, we're really, really excited to share. Amazing. New iteration of it. And so will this new iteration, will it have different essences in it? There might be one new surprise. Okay. I know you can't give everything away, but I'm just like, ooh. Yes. <laughs> All the plants that I just shared about, we're uh -huh. keeping them. They are okay. the team. They are, they are the team here. So, I love it. Uh, so good. And how do, how do people, I guess, like use it? Because I guess for me, I'm thinking of, um, let's say for example, so I just went to this event and they were doing like personalized fragrances and, um, but using these different oils, right. These different essences. 
and um they they had some that were pre-made that you're like oh if you like this scent it's great but then they had their whole like i don't know toolkit of all these different ones mm-hmm. that you could choose from and there was one and i always like to you know see the signs from my sister or see these reflections mm-hmm. of her back and one of her favorite flowers was the peony and they had that that um scent there and so i just said just give me a whole bottle of that just that by itself mm-hmm. and um and they put it in these little roller um yes. uh, things and um and so i use it now in a way that if I'm missing her or if maybe there's like an event that I'm going to that I want to have her with me, mm. um, I kind of roll and, and dab on a little bit of that scent of that peony. And so that's why I'm, I'm just very interested in, you know, can people use it in that way like that? Or is it again connected to this ritual? You honestly can use it in so many different ways. It's intended to be ingested. So you can oh, see? Mm-hmm. Okay. So like a tincture where you would ingest it. You could put it in your water, your tea. Um, you just need a few drops of it. Um, folks have put it in baths. Um, you can ingest it and even write or meditate with it or create art. I've heard so many things. I've had other practitioners use it in their events, which has been awesome just to hear all these beautiful responses of it. It's really lovely. Um, and because this uh, blend, you can really smell the rose. You can, if you'd like, you can put it on your skin. Um, so yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty safe all the way around. And use it. And I love how you were just saying about connecting. I'm really interested in the ways in which that people continue their I don't know their connections to their loved ones so I, I think that's a really beautiful way that you do it thank you mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm always trying to find different ways that I can find that connection keep that mm-hmm. relationship and foster it and then also continue to grow still in that and grow that relationship because obviously when someone dies and people have different beliefs, right? Like they could be taking a different form or, you know, their body was just simply their vessel here. And, you know, it's these energies that we have, but it really is about, you know, how can I still keep this relationship? And I know that there were even moments when sometimes I think that's why doing physical things or taking, this goes again, maybe back to the rituals. Mm -hmm. Um, but even which now you're making me think so thanks for listening to my rambling but you're making me think a lot of things is like how you said rituals can be so simple and i guess it could be even the 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 way that we just talk out loud to our person mm-hmm. right like yes. it could be something that every morning i get up and say hello and i say good morning or you know mm-hmm. or or i say good night like that could be a ritual that someone can use to be able to do it. Like you said, keep it simple. Yeah. And you and if you want to complicate it, make it complicated. Whatever you want to do. You know, I'm just yeah. my life. Yeah. Um, I yeah, and you're reminding me of all the ways in which for me personally, like you're reminding me that like a prayer or a thought can be that ritual. Like I'll do that sometimes where it's like a thought to my mother or whomever, a prayer to them. Um 
I've created altars for them. I've wearing her jewelry, her clothes, mm-hmm. I have her purse that I use, you know, like things that. like that. Um, yeah, there's so many ways writing, like I'll write letters sometimes. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of different thresholds. I've used tarot to even mm-hmm. connect dreams. You can connect your dreams sometimes. Um, yeah, there's a lot of ways in which that you can access that eating their comfort food. Oh, the eating part. I, you yes. Know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I want to ask you, um, and it's a question that I've asked before to someone else on the, on the podcast, but, um, you know, you bring up your, your mother and I want to know, you know, what is it that you would want people to know about your mom? Oh, she was such a badass. <laughs> she was hardcore. My mom was like, I think, yeah, I don't know how to say it, but she was a badass. Like, I love that woman. Oh yeah. Tattoos. Like did not put up with bullshit, like very direct, you know? <laughs> yeah. So she was cool that way. Yeah. Um, and do you feel like, I guess maybe like what pieces of her do you feel like you carry with you? You know, we had a somewhat challenging relationship and I mm-hmm. think like as any young person I don't know as a kid I'm just like I don't want to be like you and then I find myself being like I'm like my mother in a lot of ways that I would like to admit you know and I think yeah I don't know what it is with time and as we we're also talking about keeping these connections I think I'm also working through a different kind of relationship having a different kind of relationship with her now yeah this grieving processing and in time yeah 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 it, it's so interesting how the time has an effect on a lot of things that maybe we hadn't thought about you know before but um because I know with a with a past guest that I've had um Barry Lina Grant we were just talking about it's been 30 years since her mother passed and just even still some of the things that are continuing to come up and continuing to be like, hey, my 27-year-old self didn't know what my 57-year-old self, you know, would be experiencing in this. And I guess maybe as we're, you know, I use that tagline, say hello to grief. Maybe how are you preparing yourself to say hello to grief as you continue to get older yourself? It's mm. a great question. I think I always go back to my practices. They've been with me throughout time. I don't know what it is about it, but it helps. Um, so yeah, I think I'll always be utilizing my writings and art making and all my mystical and spiritual practices uh, throughout time. Maybe that will change, but I think that's always helping me evolve my own grief, understand my own grief, grow through the grief. Um, reflect yes. and, and whatnot. Um, yeah, and I'm just thinking about future grief, you know, how does one understand it? And I, I could not be more grateful for all the work that I've been doing and the people that I've met along the way and I've worked with. And it, yeah, it's it's so, 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 I, I, I don't know how much to say this. I just feel so grateful. 
because I learn from other people too, you know, and then my learnings continue to expand and evolve and change. So we'll see what my grief will be like and how I relate to it when I'm 60. Maybe it'll start over again and it'll be completely new, you know? Yeah, we don't know, right? We don't, we don't know. That could go into an entire cycle in itself. It's like, I don't know anything. Yeah. (laughs) I did all this work and now. Yeah. Yeah, it's the truth of the matter. And and that's also, you know, with future and pi- trying to stay in the present is we don't know um, right. what will happen. And, and, um, but it is interesting to, mm-hmm. to think about and, and ponder. You mm-hmm. mentioned the word, like, can you go back to your practices and you said mm-hmm. mystical. And yes. so that jumped out at me. Mm-hmm. And I would love to know, and maybe let's demystify the mystical. Mm-hmm. And, and what does that mean to you? What does that look like? Because maybe people listening are, are saying, oh, that's what it is. And that's, that's Mm -hmm. what I'm interested in, or that's me. Mm -hmm. Um, Or some people are like, I have no idea what that is. And tell me more. So um, tell me more um, and tell us more so that we can demystify this, this mystical that, that, that you referred to. Uh, I think when I refer to mystical practices, mystical, it's really me engaging with the unseen, right? So things that are unseen and utilizing tools or practices that help me engage with the unseen. Um, and I know that it can sound really scary and it can be tied into a lot of stuff that we may have been, I don't know, told, consumed and whatnot. I grew up on the land. I didn't watch TV growing up. So I think I'm just naturally mystical. <laughs> and, and we can look to nature as even being mystical. You know, we can look to uh, energies, spirits, you know, I, it could go in so many directions. And when I refer to like my mystical practices, that's a lot of, um, I think working with like prayers and, and, um, certain kinds of meditations, um, tarot cards, um, altars, you know, I, I, it could, it could be very vague, but yeah, definitely engaging in a lot of different forms of existence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, shoot, I'm, 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 I'm into the aliens right now. Like, I'm gonna just say it. I'm into like all of it, all of it, communing and different realities and spirits, and I've gone in all of these different directions and explore these different planes of existence. I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's, it's so interesting because I've always been open and what you're describing to me as mystical is just your openness, mm-hmm. like your openness to just be open to whatever may be out there. Right. My mother was very black and white, right. Mm. In terms of like, if you, if I don't see it, I don't believe it. And I think I'm very much the opposite. It's like, it feels so limited for me that it could only be what's in front of me and only with these senses. So there's a lot of different things, tools, practices that you could use to explore the unseen. Yeah. Which can Mm -hmm. be very freeing. It can be very freeing and it just opens up so many more avenues for 
resources and opportunities and modalities of healing. Absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's dive into the mystical. I I love that. You know, see, and thank you for that explanation because I think you also made it like very approachable. I think for me, again, it's simplifying. I I think there's a lot of things on TV and and movies that make me like the occult to be certain things or like certain. And like, of course, there's always shadows to everything, but the things that I talk about, it feels so pure, you know, mm-hmm. it just feels so natural to be engaging in these different ways with life. And, mm-hmm. and it, for me, actually, it's helped me immensely through my grief and my understandings and, and learnings. And it's expanded my understanding of it, all of this end of life work and all of this grief. Um, in really profound ways, I would say. So I, I like a possibility. I like openness. I like yeah. options. I like yeah. vastness, you know? This life is so vast. So yeah. it's like I want to explore all of it. What has been, and I know you've recently posted about some of your recent explorations and travels, <laughs> but I would love to know, you know, what has been that most expansive or eye-opening um maybe journey that that you've gone on or that you've done honestly I do feel like I get expanded in a lot of different ways in different environments um and that's what's so beautiful about getting outside of your comfort zone all the time um I even can feel that in New York living here for a while now you know and um Going to Laos, I think, was the most impactful, perhaps the most recent one, too. So that's why it's really front of mind. Um, Going to the literal villages that my family had to flee from and meeting all of these family members and seeing life in these ways. Uh, And for me, really, it was the land of which I did not expect it to feel so powerful because it's such a peaceful, um, not very developed place. And did you say that was your first time going? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I've been saving this trip my entire life. I've gone to Thailand, I've gone to India, I've gone to all these different places, but I've always waited uh, for my father to come. And ironically, he didn't come on this trip. So I went with my extended family and I was like, <laughs> We've been planning this. Tickets right before the pandemic. I, I bought oh. tickets to go to Laos and it just couldn't happen. We found an airline, sent that ticket back. So I was like, What's that? wrong right now yes <laughs> like, what is happening? yeah oh my gosh well I mean I'm glad you were able to make that trip when did you know that like that's what you wanted to do I knew that as a young age because my relationship to my father is so so deep and so relatable we're very similar in a lot of ways and I remember just growing up where he had a language and he had certain ways of like cooking the foods that we ate and the music we listened to. Like I grew up with all of this Lao culture, but in my world, when I'm going to school and I'm doing my thing as a little girl, I'm just like, what is this? So I'd even ask him like, can we have like school, like language school? Like, can you teach me Lao? Because obviously English is like preferred language growing up. It's like just no English. So at a young age, I just wanted to connect with him. I think so deeply this part of his life that wasn't there, but still present. You know, I wanted to hold on to his, this way of being and, and his 
yeah, his upbringing and all of it. So yeah. I don't know why my brother didn't care. <laughs> Everybody's different. Everybody's yeah, different. Yeah, my brother does not care. He's calling video games and doing something. I'm just like, what is this land? What is this place? Like, tell me more. How do I say hair? You know, how do I do these things? Like, same. <laughs> Same. I'm a a daughter of an immigrant myself. And, um, you know, my mom's from the Philippines. And so I think that it's, you know, and I I call it my my homeland um, because I feel like there is that lineage there and being able to see yourself and to be able to see yourself reflected back to you from the people there, from the culture, from the land. Mm -hmm. Um, all of that is, there is that connectedness and I'm pretty sure there's other people, whether they go on a search like that, right. To, to know who they are and to be connected to that. Um, in, in, I I think it's, it's a very power. I, I've always looked at that. I was very fortunate to go at a very young age, um, and go multiple times to the Philippines. So I do feel like I have that connectedness, but I like you, like with my mom, I was like, why did you teach me the language when, when I was growing up? And she was like, you didn't want to learn. And of course it's like, it's like, okay, well, and sometimes I'll play around and be like, just talk to me in Tagalog and I'll figure it out. But you know, I, I I may, I don't know if this is for you too, if you, or if you were eventually able to, to learn the language, but um, like I can understand it to a certain context. And I always make the joke that I needed to understand the language. So when I walked in the room, y'all weren't talking about me yeah. and like, I can, yep. I can. Oh, that's so beautiful. I didn't know that about your yeah. mother and yeah. history. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. But there's also the, the cultural dynamic too, um, that, you know, obviously I'm raised here in the U S mm-hmm. and just how different the cultures are. Yeah. And I think maybe even being transparent, how the love is expressed. Um, mm-hmm. Because that's also something that's very different. And I think especially me being in the grief space, and maybe wanting a little bit more compassion from mm-hmm. from someone in, in my life, right, mm-hmm. is that can be hard when they express those emotions very differently. And for her, it's it's a little it's more standoffish, right? But then I also am trying to bond with her in the because then grief brings all this up because it's like my mm-hmm. sister died. I have mm-hmm. to acknowledge that my mom lost her daughter, mm-hmm. and tried to see how I could help her. But if her love language isn't the same as mine, how am I able to communicate that? And there's a lot of layers in that grief. And especially when we are talking about that cultural intersection of it. So I don't know if you've experienced anything like that, whether it's with the clients you work with or mm-hmm. just in your own personal experience. Yes. I, I think that this is, this has been brought up with clients and in grief groups, but I think we're so used to it. And it's so interesting, I think, in terms of family where it's like, I think oftentimes we're constantly having to learn from each other because it's different love languages, different styles. And then you put in generations and then you put in like cultural aspects. And 
that's always been that's always been a grieving period for me too is like wanting to be loved or understood in a way that I felt like I needed to be and never felt that it was being expressed in the way that I needed it to be you that, know that mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that brings yeah. a lot of tension for me anger and rage um, but underneath all that is the sadness and the grief mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and and that's a lot for people to work through and so sometimes it's when people just want to look at grief through this one particular lens I think it is important for us to widen that lens so that we can see there's so many other layers. And that's why I love talking about intersectionality, period. Mm-hmm. Um, but also being able to translate that into the grief space because grief will intersect with so many different pieces of your life, but then mm-hmm. also with different pieces of your identity. Nice. Um, and And also it's like you are going through a shift in your identity too, mm-hmm. because you're made new you're you're a new person after i feel like any type of tremendous loss for you right it's our experiences that change us mm-hmm. um and be willing to say okay how can i continue to grow through that change and and with that change mm-hmm. i know recently i just had this thought where <laughs> In my head, I'm just like, oh, this is so griefy, or this is a grief. And I'm just like, is that everything? It's yes. Like grief moment. And I was like, is it because I've just been in this space for so long? <laughs> or what is happening? Like, but I do find it in so many, so many layers, like you're saying, once you start peeling back. And it's like, one, I think a cultural thing is there wasn't a word for grief, you know? Like, oh. Like in I the Lao in the Lao language, like for me at least, like we didn't talk about grief. You know, like we didn't like we under you know, there's communal grieving, there's mm-hmm. ritual practices, but like I thought that was interesting. Like that there's a lot of times where there's not just like words for certain things. Mm. Or and then that's been my whole grief journey too. Is like throughout time, you can have that immediate loss, and then layer by layer by layer. And that's why I had this thought. I can't remember if it was this morning or yesterday. I'm like. There's so many layers. It's not ending. Yeah. This of grief, but I'm just like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be magnificent in that same breath, right? To to make those connections and to to be able to see that. And you know, I always say that I walk around with like grief colored glasses, or I Mm -hmm. or I just look through this. I look at life through this lens of grief, not in a not in like what people I think typically think of it, like, Oh, everything's sad around me. It's, it's really kind of like, it sharpens my view of life and to be able to look at things more holistically Mm -hmm. um, and to take in those, those new perspectives. And sometimes it gets heavy. So I need to take those glasses off and I need to, to just, just be, Um, but there can be a lot of like great appreciation and gratitude along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way. And I will say like, it really is important, at least for me in my work to reference these cultural elements, these identities, these severing of ties, like especially being born in the United States and all the history in which like, it just goes on and on and on. Um, what I've been working with with people on their grief, I, it's so important to have diverse perspectives and yeah experiences and backgrounds because 
that's a lot of what I hear from the folks that I work with. It's like no one is even speaking about the things that you and I are talking about, you know, and it's our lives. It's like we're, yeah. it's all intertwined with these identities and cultures and the loss of even these rituals and languages. It goes on and on and on. But yeah, I hear you. So maybe I've just had like grief, grief, grief glasses on recently. That's probably what's going on. <laughs> it's sharpened i loved how you said that sharpening like my senses and it's not as um i don't know morbid sad depressing because i'm very joyous if anything it makes me appreciate a lot of things yes love a lot of things yes enjoy a lot of life all the time um and sometimes like it's okay to be sad it's okay to be grieving it's okay to not be feeling the best like you know, I'm like normalizing that, but yeah. Oh, it's so good. Definitely to a response for me as well. I, I do want to, um, I mean, I feel like we can, of course, I feel like I could talk to anybody forever <laughs> and, and, and it's, it's like, I will always have questions upon questions. Um, but we will start bringing this to a close and, uh, what I want to do is I want to ask you two questions that I've been asking everybody so far, and I would love to hear your answers. So the first question is, if you were to say hello to someone today who is grieving, what would you say to them? Say hello. <laughs> Great. I love that. <laughs> I, think, I don't even know if it's words. I just feel like it's presence. Mm. That is a great answer. I love that. See, that's why I love asking these questions. Mm. It's just all the different answers I get. Mm. Um, okay. The second question that I have for you is if you were to say hello to your own grief today, mm. what would you say to it, to them? However, mm. how would you say hello to your grief? <laughs> you wouldn't say you're like I'm here. <laughs> Hello again. <laughs> you know what I'm going through it too in those other ways. So it's like yes, like I see you, I feel you, I hear you. I know I will keep tending to you. We're working through it. Um, I think also just with a softness. I want to meet my grief right now with just a softness and. In no agenda, just kind of letting my grief right now unfold and, and just be. <laughs> to create that space. Some days they do, some days they don't. Because we are, we're going on a lifetime relationship now, so. <laughs> yeah, so you got to get to know them sometime. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting too, because this is also like an activity that that I, that I do, right? Is um, kind of describing like what that entity is, right? And and even when I've asked this question, I've seen people like gender their grief, right? Mm -hmm. And say, "Well, this is what I tell her," <laughs> you know. And so it, that's also an interesting thing to like conceptualize and think about for folks. Is you know. I've done yeah. this practice with folks where it's like, draw your grief. Mm. It's like, um, yeah. 
materials to make the shape of your grave? What's the shape of your grave? Um, yeah, mine. Yeah, my gender. It could be fluid, maybe today. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, but I yeah, definitely. There's a feminineness, so it's an extension of me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Oh, let's go um, to give you an opportunity to let people know where they can say hello to you and to greet you. So where, where can they find you? Where can they um, look up your services? All of this good stuff. Sure. Definitely going to my website as a landing place. It's bossy.co, B-A-C-I-I dot C-O. Um, Instagram, it's underscore bossy. You can email me um, at hello at bossy.co. And it's typically where I'm at. I like to do newsletters. It's been a minute since I have. Um, there's a medium of articles on there. But yeah, do reach out. Say hello. All right. Perfect. Thank you for that. Um, I'm going to close out for today. And I just want to say that if grief has taught me anything, it is that time is our most valuable resource. So just thank you, Mengda, for giving your time today. Thank you for taking the time to say hello to grief today if you're listening. And there are just so many people in this world grieving the loss of someone or something and it's not my goal to reach every single one of them. It's simply to reach one. And I hope that person is you. I hope you took at least one thing from listening today. I know I took many that helps you on your journey and take the time to say hello to your grief today and better yet, take time to say hello to someone else because you never know who you will be greeting in their grief. And as always, I would love to say hello to everyone listening. So please follow me at Hello I'm Grieving on Instagram. Find me at HelloImGrieving.com, YouTube, Hello I'm Grieving, everything. Hello I'm Grieving. So say hello. And until next time, I look forward to saying hello to you.